Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. Happy Independence Day to everyone here. What a great uh, weekend it's looking, shaping up to be. I'm looking forward to a little respite tomorrow. We get a day off and we get to celebrate our independence. It's a great thing. And uh, as you've just heard, we have some, just some fantastic plans happening around our church uh, this summertime. I'm looking forward to the War Room movie and we're going to have great ice cream time afterward. So I hope you're looking forward to that and course, the Live Free Conference, which, as uh, you heard Ruth say, that is ministering to people in our own backyard, and you can get involved. And we have another, what I call, short-term mission trip that we're planning, and that is going to be August the 3rd. So what we would like to do is make our way out to the Life Builders Mission, which we support, and that's over on the east side of Detroit in the uh, Eight Mile Kelly area. And they have been doing a fantastic job in terms of renovating that area. Larry and Marilyn Johnson have been there for 10 years. And the week uh, beginning August the 1st is going to be a, just a great week in that area. Life Builders is going to be part of a team of 10,000 that are plan, planning to come into that area and be renovating homes. And uh, they're working with another organization, uh, which is Life, not Life Builders, it's Life Remodeled. But we want to help Life Builders and be a part of what they're doing. And on Wednesday night, we want to take our entire Wednesday service and go down to Life Builders. They're going to have a tent meeting good old-fashioned tent meeting where we're going to be outdoors worshiping and praising and we're going to hear some testimonies from the people that are down there working. And I just think it's a great opportunity for all of us to see one of our missions that we support in action and to take part in a a tent meeting and worship there. So what we're planning is that we could uh, meet here at Bethesda and take some buses. And I would just wonder if even right now, if if you're a regular Wednesday night attender and you'd say, yeah, I will go on down to Life Builders and be a part of that night and see what they're doing and worship with them and hear some testimonies. If you would uh, be a part of a bus ride down there, because we can all take a bus, we can go together, we'll leave here about 6 o'clock and uh, get down there just before they start at 7, enjoy a great service, and then we can all come back together Would you raise your hand if that's something you do? Because that'll give us an idea, a little bit of an idea of how many we need for our buses. Oh, this is good. This is good. We might need a couple of buses. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. uh, You'll be hearing more about that, but that helps us in our planning. And I appreciate that uh, you know, you would consider that. It's, it's a great opportunity for all of us. This morning, I want to continue talking to you about the Word of God. We have begun 
uh, series here, Know the Word, Live the Word, Spread the Word. It's really a great encapsulation of what uh, is called in our Bible the Great Commission, Jesus encouraging all to spread the gospel. But to spread it, we need to know it. We need to get it into our hearts. We need to be living it and be good examples. So I want to spend some weeks talking about knowing the word and then living the word and spreading the word. What is it all about? Central to uh, this morning, I just really want to focus on one brief passage of scripture and talk about what that means and how we can really know the word and get it down into our hearts. And that A short passage of scripture comes from a great psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a long psalm, but I'm only going to take two verses out of Psalm 119, and that's verses 10 and 11. So if you have your Bibles and you want to put your uh, finger there in Psalm 119, I'll also uh, be touching a little bit later on Joshua chapter 1. And also Philippians chapter 4. But Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11 says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that ends the brief passage. And I want to really... Focus in on this idea of what does it mean to hide? What does it mean to hide something? And if we hide something, there's a lot of reasons we might hide something, isn't there? One reason might be we just don't want anybody to see what it is we're hiding. It might be that we're afraid, we're embarrassed, we're ashamed of something. In a parable that Jesus gave about talents, he gave one man ten, one man five, another man one. The one with one, he was the unprofitable servant. He didn't do anything with what he received. And in that parable, when the master came back and said, I'm going to take an account, it was the uh, unprofitable servant who said, I was afraid And I went away and I hid your talents in the ground. He was frightened. And sometimes we hide things because we're worried. We mask our feelings. Don't want anybody to see how we're feeling. We seclude ourselves. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They tried to hide. Of course, they couldn't hide from God. Nobody can, but... They did all they could to try to hide from God because they sinned and realized they had no clothes. If we've done something wrong, we try to hide the evidence. I've done a thing or two wrong in my life, and I'll admit I've tried to hide the evidence at times. When I was a kid, I had a friend, and he was kind of goading me one day. I think we were about 14 or 15 years old. I didn't have a driver's license, but there my dad's car was in the garage, and uh, mom and dad had taken another car out for the evening. 
So it was this scene like, uh, it was a scene like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, right? But instead of, a, uh, instead of a red Ferrari 250 GT, in my garage was a, a blue Plymouth Fury station wagon. That, but it was my dad's car. And yeah, so my friend talked me into taking it for a ride, which we did. We had a blast. You know, we went out, no driver's license. Hey, I don't recommend this. It's a bad idea if you don't have your driver's license. And everything was great. We got home. My dad always backed the car in the garage. We had a long driveway. And my dad was expert at this. He could just aim the car in reverse. He didn't, I think he could do it blindfold, and he'd just put his foot on the floor, roar into the garage. So I was a little inexperienced at uh, backing a station wagon into the garage. And as I did, I mean, I made it. I was five feet from safety. And I heard this, I said, oh, no, what is that? And our garage door had these two big... Uh, bars on them for the springs. It was a one-piece garage. And sure enough, that, that bar, top of the fender, scratch, big old deep scratch in my dad's beautiful Plymouth Fury station wagon. Oh. So I had to hide it. I had to hide it, right? I was afraid. My dad would really not be happy with me. So my friend who talked me into it had this great idea rubbing compound, which we did get. And we tried to rub that scratch out as best we could, and we did. And uh, we hid the evidence. Again, I don't recommend this, even though I got away with it. And my dad never knew. It's not a good thing. I was afraid for days. I'm going to be found out. Is he going to see that scratch? Oh, no. Yeah, I waited until I had my license, I think, after that to drive. Sometimes We're so worried, we're afraid, we've done something wrong. We conceal, we cover up, we hide, we camouflage. We don't want to be found out. But there's another reason we hide things. We we hide things because they're precious to us. Something that has value. Something that's a prize to us, that we cherish, that we want to protect. Many of the uh, Psalms... uh, appeal to God to be our hiding place, that God would be our protection. He cherishes us. So God, protect me. Put me in the cleft of the rock. The book of Proverbs encourages us to seek wisdom as a hidden treasure. So it's something valuable, something very worthwhile to seek after. We hide things away uh, that might be of no value to others, but they're very, very valuable to us. Maybe uh, letters from a loved one. Maybe photographs of grandparents or great-grandparents. Maybe a lock of hair from our children. We store it away because it's meaningful to us and it's very value. We hide things to keep them safe. When I was a, a boy, I had a paper route and I think I'm dating myself. If you don't know what that means, it means I got on my bicycle when I was about 11 years old and I delivered papers. 
the, uh, the, the big newspaper companies relied on a, a whole host of children to deliver their product. So I was one of them, and I earned a little money, but I earned enough to the point where my brothers, they were constantly nagging me to borrow, to, to lend them money. Hey, you got a few bucks. Well, you know, I had to hide my money because <laughs> I knew my brothers. If they <laughs> forget about borrowing, they wanted to steal it. You know, they wanted to take it. I had to watch over my loot because I knew it would disappear. And so I had a secret hiding place in the house that nobody knew about so, so I could hide what was valuable to me. And we hide things of great materialistic value. If you've ever read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, there was the priest Faria, and he told Esmond, uh, Edmond Dantes about this treasure, and he gave him very cryptic instructions about the island of Monte Cristo, where there was hidden a priceless treasure. So this morning, I, I took the assistance of uh, two, two helpers, because there was a treasure hidden in our church, and I asked Josh Frizee and uh, Sarah Esquivel if they would help me. And they went on a hunt. And I know that you're here. At least I, I know I saw one of you. Did you find the treasure? I want, uh, I want Josh and Sarah to come up here. If, oh, there. All right, Josh. Where's Sarah? Okay, come on up. Come on up. Because they found, uh, they found something. I sent them on a, on a hunt. And evidently they were successful. And I want to reveal to them if what they found was actually worth seeking. Oh, they followed the instructions very well. Okay, do not open. Excellent. Followed instructions. Okay, do you think there's anything worthwhile in here? No, no. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's find out. Let's find out. Josh says no. Sarah, what do you think? Is there anything valuable in here? Sarah says she doesn't know. Well, it doesn't really look valuable from its packaging, does it? But sometimes that can be deceiving. All right, let's see. You're guessing. Yeah, I heard you say I told you. Well, let's see. Let's see. I wonder what you told him. Okay, well, look at that. Look at, look at that. What do you think? Is that, is that worth something? What do you think? There is some coins there. Now, those are real. You can spend those, but you don't really need to spend them because they're actually worth more than they say they, uh, they are on the back of the coin. That's something valuable, something worthwhile, something probably worth storing. And especially if you have six brothers like I did, definitely hide them, okay? Definitely uh, store them away. But there's something else in here. Now, this might be where you guessed, right? So here and you can take this to, is something more valuable, something more valuable than that materialistic coins, and that is the Word of God. And I want you to just remember this, that, and I want everybody to remember that the value of, of something that's beyond materialistic, the value of the Word of God is important. So we're going to talk more about storing it, and I thank you. I think you did a great job. You did a great job fine than that. And you can keep that. Those are yours. Those are yours. They found a treasure. Something, something that was very valuable was hidden. And they didn't even think anything valuable was in there. 
You can't really uh, judge by what you see on the outside sometimes. You have to dig into it and, and find the value. And I think this is what is alluded to in Psalm 119 when it says, I have hidden your word in my heart. The word is hidden not in order to conceal it, not in order to cover it up, not because we're embarrassed about it or ashamed of it, but it's hidden because we want to keep it in a place where it will always be safe, where it always will be accessible. What we value the absolute highest is what we safe keep the most carefully. And for the psalmist, that was the word of God. The word. The word, what is the word? The word is the revelation of God's will to us, his people. It's the manifestation of God himself. It's his nature. It's his attributes. Uh, Many of which are discovered. You want to know about God's attributes. You want to know about his nature. Read Psalm 119 from start to finish. The psalmist variously refers to these attributes and God's nature and his word as his law and his testimonies and his ways and his precepts, his statutes, his commandments, his judgments. This is God's word. This is God revealed to us. It's a way for us to know him. It's a way for us to get him in our heart. His word, inspired by the Holy Spirit and recorded for us, it is priceless. And we should see it that way. We should not see it as something that we would just discard or we would uh, lay around and not pay attention to. No, it isn't. It's an exquisite treasure, something to hide and something to store. And the psalmist says, in our heart. And that's not just stored in the memory banks of our brain, but it's something that we keep locked securely in the chamber of our heart. And our heart is the very seat of our affections. Uh, To hide the word in our heart goes way beyond just mere storage and recall. It's, it's not like some USB memory slot in our head that we, okay, I'll just pull it out. No, it, it's to understand it. We need to understand the word and how it can be applied every day of our life, remembering not just words, but the way that these words are employed in action in life. So it means that we're connected to it. If we hide the word in our heart, we are connected to it. And and it's connected to us and it affects us and it directs us. So to know the word goes far beyond, way beyond, simply having a mere knowledge of the word. Knowing is really more than simple knowing. Soon after Moses, the Old Testament leader, died, he said to, uh, he he turned his... uh, nation over to Joshua, and Joshua, his successor, told the people of Israel this. And this is in Joshua chapter 1, one verse, verse number 8. Joshua said, keep this book of the law. This is what Moses had given them, the word of God. And Joshua said, keep this book of the law always 
on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and and successful. So what's Joshua saying? In essence, he is encouraging the people to hide the word in their hearts. It's valuable. And he offers a way for them to accomplish this idea of hiding it. He says, meditate on it day and night. Deliberate on the word. Reflect on God's word. Think about it. Put it in your heart so it'll always be at the ready. Ready for you to speak it. Ready for you to practice it. Ready for all things that may uh, confront you. And when you do that, there are advantages to it. There are advantages to putting the word in your heart. And Joshua says, prosperity and success. And if you live it and abide by it faithfully, you can have this prosperity. But this is not the prosperity that you might think of in the eyes of the world, but it's the prosperity of God. It is the success of God. What are some of the elements? What are then some of the elements of godly prosperity and success brought about by holding God's word in high esteem, by valuing it very highly, by seeing the word of God as a treasure to be stored away someplace deep, someplace in us, in our heart. Well, I want to give you some of those advantages. One, the word, getting the word in us, knowing it, it helps with this battle in our mind, the thought life. With all that is around us and surrounds us in modern day life, you know, we're bombarded with media, audio, and video, and imagery, and it can elicit all kinds of thoughts, thoughts that we shouldn't even be thinking. What's the antidote? The only antidote to these things is God's word, the good treasure of God's word. And this is where I bring in Philippians 4.8. I have used this many times in my own life, and I have offered it to others. When you're battling things in your mind that you don't want to think about, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says this, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. You know, put that down in your heart. Get that in your heart. And when when the battle is coming in your mind, you lean on this scripture. And it really helped me out when I was going through a tough time in my life and I was really questioning God. And my thoughts were taking me to places where I shouldn't go. And it was just a simple card somebody sent me from this church years ago. And it had that scripture on the front, and I tore it off, and I used it. I put it right above my phone at at work because it helped me change the way I was thinking. Think about those things and take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The mind works on whatever you put into it. It's sort of like a coffee maker. What do you want to brew? Whatever you put in, that coffee maker is going to brew. You can put some really crummy coffee in, or you can put something 
excellent. So you probably take care if you're a coffee connoisseur and you like a good cup of coffee, you're not going to put dirt into your coffee maker. You're going to put something nice, a good bean that's been well roasted and you grind it up and you take care before you hit the brew button. And likewise, to prevent our thoughts from overtaking us, get the word in our heart. Hide the word in our heart. It's an advantage, a second advantage. The word in our heart supplies us in our prayer life. There are so many portions of scripture that are prayers. Most of the Psalms, great, uh, great portions of scripture to get down in our heart. They are petitions to God. They teach us how to go before God. They are exaltations and praise to God. They are thanksgivings to God. Jesus also taught his disciples to pray. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. That's scripture. That's something that we can get down in our hearts. And on the evening, just before Jesus would be arrested and crucified, John John's Gospel, chapter 17, gives us a prayer that Jesus prayed. The entire chapter of the 17th uh, chapter of John's Gospel is a prayer of Jesus. And we can learn about Jesus from that prayer. And we can understand a bit more how to pray and when our heart becomes full, when it becomes full of the word, it's, it's like this reservoir, if you will, ready to flow. The Ecuador team came back last week, and I saw many pictures of the trenches this team was helping to dig so that people could, they could get fresh-flowing, clean water to their home for the very first time. People that had never experienced it. And if you get God's word in your heart, you can tap into it in a very similar way. It can be, a like, uh, it can be like a reservoir. In, in the book of Ephesians, Paul refers to the word of God as the sword of the spirit. And he writes, right after he says the word of the God is the sword of the spirit, the very next words he writes are, and pray. And we need a good reservoir. We need a full reservoir of the word of God to help our prayers and to help us flow freely in prayer to God. A third advantage to getting the word in our heart, keeping it valuable, knowing its value, understanding that it's valuable, hiding it where no one can steal it is that the word can bring great relief in times of troubles and afflictions. You know, if you're going through a tough time, there are promises in the word of God that you can go to to be encouraged. Perhaps you need an assurance that Jesus is aware of your situation. Go read the Gospels. Read about what he went through. You might need a reminder that you're not alone in your suffering and in your distress. Well, there are reminders in the word of God. You are not alone. Are you wondering? You asking why? The word tells us God disciplines those whom he loves as children. It says his grace is sufficient. The word can help you and strengthen you. And when you might not have access to the word, perhaps you've been taken by emergency into the hospital. What are you going to do? You don't have your Bible. Well, when you have your word and the word in your heart, you have a great, great treasure that you can rely on. 
I don't think we could scarcely understand what it would be like to be thrown into a prison, to be put into solitary confinement, to be threatened with torture, simply because we believe in Jesus Christ. But that happens. It happens today. It happens in some of these Mideastern countries like Iran. I read a book. It was called Captive in Iran. It's about two young women who spent almost all of 2009. So this is, this is fairly recent. This isn't hundreds of years ago. These two young women spent almost all of 2009 in the worst prison in Iran. Evan Prison in Tehran. It's the harshest prison in the country. What was their crime? They believed in Jesus Christ. That was their crime. They were charged with apostasy against Islam. Before they were arrested, they had distributed thousands of Bibles secretly throughout Tehran. But in prison, they had no Bible. But they had treasured the word. They had stored up the word in their hearts. They used the word to speak to other prisoners. They used the word even to speak to guards. That became uh, what they called the best church they could ever have dreamed of. Because they had been arrested, they could now openly and freely speak the word of God to others. And people actually came to Christ in the prison. While these two young ladies had been put into solitary confinement, they were hungry, they were sick, they faced threat of torture. They were lifted, they were carried, they were encouraged in their time of distress and trouble by what the word of God had offered them. And ultimately, they were miraculously released from this terrible, terrible prison that they were in. The word offers comfort in times of relief, in times of trouble, in times of affliction. A fourth point. The psalmist wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart. But he followed up. And what he followed with said, that I might not sin against you. So knowing the word, storing it in our heart, it offers something to us. It offers a barrier, if you will, or a hedge against temptation to keep us from sinning. Store the word in your heart. Why? It will help you to keep from sinning, that we might not sin. Again, I remind you that the word is called the sword of the spirit by the apostle Paul. Have your sword at the ready. Have your sword ready when temptations come so that you can take your stand and you can take your stand against the wiles of the wicked one. The word tells us that we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear and that God will provide a way of escape. You need to know the way of escape. And the way of escape comes through the word of God. It does indeed in almost every single situation. The word provides your escape. When the devil came to tempt Jesus, the way of escape for him was what? It was the word of God. Jesus had the word ready. And he used it to deal with the temptations of Satan. Each time Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He responded with the word of God. And he overcame the tempter. It was a great advantage that he had the word with him. And it can be an advantage to us. And it's not just with us, but that it's in us. And we can be overcomers, overcomers of temptation and overcomers against the wiles of the evil one. And it helps us and it enables us to resist 
And be victorious over temptations. Consider the word as a treasure. Consider it as something to be secured and something to be put down in your heart that you might not sin against God. Get it deep inside your core. Why? That way you will be prosperous and successful. Now, I've touched on a few points here. And are these the only points? Are these the only reasons you want to get the word of God inside of you? Absolutely not. There are many, many more. There are many reasons that we should consider the word important and continue to get it in us. Where are you today? What's going on in, in your life? You feel like you're in the dark? You need to know the word because the word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. Are you feeling like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death? You know the word of God It's alive and it's powerful. Are you hungry? God's word is our daily bread. Are you frustrated with the lies of the world? The word is truth. Know the word. Hide it in your heart. When you're bitter, the word of God is sweeter. Yes, it's sweeter than honey. When you're hurting, the word of God is a salve for every sore. Are you feeling lame? The word of God is is a remedy for every malady. Are you losing hope? The word holds a promise for every situation you'll find yourself in. You don't know what to do? Go to the word of God. And the word of God is wisdom. You don't want to be let down? Well, let me tell you, the word of God will never, ever fail you. Are you longing to accumulate something? Something that is lasting? Well, the only thing on this earth that you can take with you to heaven is the word of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, says the Lord, will never pass away. The word of God is eternal. And if we have something eternal that we can get down deep in our heart, shouldn't we value it? Shouldn't we think it's more valuable than a few coins? Of course we should. We should value it. We should esteem it. We should regard it as priceless and lock it into our hearts because it's the only thing. It's the only thing that we can take with us when we leave this earth. And that's a great thing. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. And as we do, let's think about that. Think about the word and getting it deep in our heart. I'm going to ask our elders and deacons, if you will, to take your places to prepare to serve us the bread and the cup. Our communion service is open to all. If you're visiting visiting with us this morning, it's open to all who believe in Jesus Christ and have called on Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're welcome to share the table with us. But when you receive the, the bread, please just hold it. Because we want to bless it together. We want to take time to receive the bread together. We want to take time to receive the cup together. And we'll bless those before we receive it. But as the bread is being uh, passed out to us, and as you receive it and hold it, I want to just offer the, the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is very familiar to us, where we find instructions about the Lord's Supper. I want to read it this morning and really uh, take some of it to heart and do what it says. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. This is the word of the Lord. This is scripture. These are things to uh, highly esteem and value and consider as a treasure. Thanks. What does the apostle ask us to do? What is he saying? He says, discern this body. Whoever eats and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves. Let's do that this morning. Let's take some time to do some self, some inner examination. You might even this morning ask yourself where you stand on this idea of treasuring and valuing the word of God. Are you hiding it in your heart? And if you need to do more of those along those lines, I'll talk to the Lord about it and talk to God about anything else that might be going on in your life where it's causing a distraction. Examine yourself so that we wouldn't be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood. Why? We're proclaiming the death of the Lord as we do this. We're saying that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. He died for us. And we're acknowledging that by receiving this bread and taking the cup this morning. And if we're acknowledging that, and we're calling ourselves Christians, we're taking on the name of Christ, then we ought to be living that. We ought to be showing that. We ought to be following it as best we can. So take a moment, look inside, and then we'll pray and we'll bless this bread. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Thank you, God, that you have given us this opportunity to deal with ourselves to judge ourselves, to examine ourselves that we might not be judged. Thank you, God. Lord, as we've looked inside ourselves and been honest with you about where we've fallen short, God, we thank you for thy forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, that you would shower us with something we don't deserve. Thank you, God. Thank you that Jesus gave his life for us. And Lord, help us to do our best, our very best, to honor and discern his body and his word. 
For Jesus was the living word. Forgive us, Lord. And as we hold this bread, God, now, we ask your blessing on it. We ask your blessing on this bread, which pictures the broken body of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for all of us. We honor that today, God. We honor it. We thank you. Without you, we're hopeless. But with you, we have eternity. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Please bless this bread unto us, God. May it bring grace. May it bring help. May it bring health. May it bring healing. God, as we renew our covenant with you and we receive it together, in Jesus' name, amen. Hold your cup as we bless it. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the blood of the new covenant. New covenant in his blood that Jesus made a way for us. God, thank you for that. We renew our covenant right now. Thank you, Lord, that we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. That by his blood you have made a way for us to eternal life. There is nothing greater than that. There is nothing greater than that. Bless this cup of blessing unto us, we pray, God, to each one here in this sanctuary this morning. May this truly be a cup of blessing as they receive it, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We receive it with thanksgiving, with praise in our heart for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. And we receive it together in his name. Amen. God bless you this morning. Have a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. I believe in God. I...